you get to sing that later properly. <laughs> Woo! Right, I'm recording now. So, hi Carly Woo. Hiya. My Hello. friend, my <laughs> pal. Welcome oh, to the right. podcast. <laughs> all right, pal. Thank you very How are much. You? <laughs> Shall I just conduct this whole thing in a Scottish accent the whole way through? Shall I try a Manchester accent? I don't even know. That <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not bad, actually. It's, it's better than my Scottish, because I think my Scottish is just awful. And, you know, you've heard me try to do the Scottish <laughs> accent before, and you've laughed at me. You're getting I think there. Is so rude. I think you're getting there. What I, I used to... More... <laughs> Go on. The more practice you do, I think, you know, you'll be really authentic at it. You do my yeah. accent right now. <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> do the accent. What what I have to do right when I start doing the Scottish accent, I I have to say, um, "What's the story in Balamori?" <laughs> and then I start getting into this. <laughs> going, You've got a bit of a Northern Irish tone there. <laughs> you, but you know, some like Scottish people do sound slightly American as well. I find like a slight American twang, like you know Jacqueline yeah. from the End of Hours of Racism group. Oh, I've not actually heard her. So, oh, well, I met her in London, and then she sounded um, she sounded like a some American in some in some aspects. I don't know whether is that like a, a part of Scotland that people. Yeah, she's from Inverness, though, isn't she? Inverness, yeah, uh-huh. and I think okay. the further up north you go, the slightly More. softer and. Yeah, American sounding that you tend to be, and also like media that you consume as well. So yeah, we we watch quite a lot of American media in the in the UK. So Mm. you tend to have you you absorb some of those nuances and tones. Oh my god, that's so true. Like I know one of my um, mum's friends' daughters. She's um, well, she well, she's Chinese, but that's besides the point. She lives in um, Manchester, but Uh she has an American accent because she just watches YouTube videos. Like she, she actually talks with this really weird American twang. But then, oh, it's only her that does it. It's only her that does it. Her friends don't actually do it. Sorry, her sisters don't do it. Um, Oh, okay. Literally, just her. She's picked up this like weird twang. I'll just put my phone on. Do not on the whiteboard. See, yeah, I, my... I have that too. Like, I think I've been told sometimes the way I speak, it sounds a bit American, but that's because, you know, growing up, I watched a lot of Lindsay Lohan films. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Lohan, what's your favourite one? <laughs> Freaky Friday. Oh, <laughs> classic. My first Lindsay Lohan films, and that was, you know, pretty monumental in my upbringing. And then, but then since I started university and having graduated from then, my accent has gotten more scottish so it's no long mm. i think it's lost it's american twang it's lost the lindsay oh it's lost the lindsay that's really yeah. sad have mm. you watched parent trap that's a classic yeah i didn't watch that until quite late though so ah. freaky friday was always like i think it was my go-to as well because you know you've seen it right oh yeah, of course yeah of course. Uh-huh. Yes. so you know the whole idea is that they swap because of the fortune cookie and it involves like <laughs> in a way i kind of Asian. saw like yeah exactly like the chinese <laughs> restaurant and i thought oh my god could like a fortune cookie and my uncle's chinese <laughs> do the same thing <laughs> what and swap you with your mom <laughs> yeah exactly oh or my maybe god. we could like swap other white scottish people about it <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good idea. How would you feel if you swap places with your mum? Uh, oh, I mean, I don't know. I think I don't think it would be too bad of a swap, but I think I would mess people about. 
I mean, she's quite she's quite jokey anyway. Like, mm. I don't I don't know if um. I mean, what would I use in abuse? I would probably use the wallet <laughs> and abuse, <laughs> and abuse yeah. the cash privilege, you know. Is, is that what Linda Lohan does in Freaky Friday as well? Doesn't she just go shopping and stuff? Uh-huh. She gives and her she can... mom like, a makeover and a piercing. <laughs> yeah, and then she can like do all the adult stuff like drink alcohol. And... Does she uh-huh. do that? She does that, doesn't she? I've not seen think, it in years. I think she goes to like some sort of club or bar <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Because she, isn't she like... 16 or, yeah. or something you know like a teen whereas if, yeah. you, if I were to swap with my mum now I, there wouldn't be much difference but I guess if I was to swap with my mum when if I was mm. a teenager I don't know I'd be expected to work yeah maybe I don't want to swap <laughs> no I, I I don't think actually I don't I'd want to swap because I feel like my mum has like a lady of leisure lifestyle where she just bakes all day like she's still <laughs> on furlough as well so she works part-time at um, her friend's restaurant um, oh, okay, right. she's just been chilling and loving life and going out with her friends having lunch like proper like what's it called in Chinese when um when you just like a uh, tai tai is that what it's called oh right uh-huh yeah 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 when she's just like chilling all the time and I'm like I, I love that life I, oh I well know. by the sounds of that then yeah I would swap but my mum works yeah. really hard and oh okay her, so. yeah <laughs> you know I don't think I want to swap <laughs> as opposed to my mum so so tell tell the listeners a bit about yourself like obviously they've gathered that you are scottish (laughs) Um, i'm scottish you're scottish but there's so much more to you than just being scottish so tell us a bit about how you identify and where you come from and what you do etc Right. Uh, first off, what I identify. So I see myself as British Chinese um, or, to be honest, more recently, Scottish Chinese. Mm. Um, I identify very strongly with my Hong Kong and Hakka heritage. Um, both my parents are from Hakka villages in the new territories of Hong Kong. And lastly, what do I do? So uh, I'm an artist. Uh, I keep a practice on the side of my full time job, which um, also involves contemporary art. So I work in an art gallery in Glasgow so cool very Ta-da. very cool Ta-da! <laughs> and I can see like in your obviously people on the podcast can't see this but um you've got like amazing backdrop of lots of different artwork behind you which is just so cool and as well as like some Pokemon plushes a pink poop poo have you ever what seen Bossy? no I haven't but I love it I love anything that's like poo related with the face <laughs> on very what's the word anthropomorphic or something is it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. There's a little Mushu dragon. Yeah, yeah. this is quite a rare find. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. What you paid money for that? Well, actually, I didn't pay too much, thankfully. Otherwise, it'd be a bit of a oh, a, uh, you know, concerning amount of money. But uh, no, it was uh, a lucky eBay find. Um, there's oh. actually not very much um, Mulan memorabilia there, especially not from like when we were growing up. You know, in the '90s when it first came out in the early 2000s. Ah, so this was one of the- that is. See, I think it's I think it's just to do with um, lack of popularity for it, and mm. you know when you look at uh, the toys that tend to be out, mm. it's always like Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid's a really popular one, mm. and the only really popular um, ethnic character you know out of the Disney franchise is Pocahontas, and and again that maybe Jasmine as well, and Jasmine too, yeah, but even yeah. then still not very many so Mm. with Mulan I wonder if it's to do with because the film is primarily centered on you know quote unquote a foreign character 
Mm. Whereas when you look at a film like Pocahontas, you have, you know, a few main characters who are foreign, but the main kind of protagonist who is, is it not John Smith? I think that's his name. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's still very um, white and familiar to Mm. Disney's audience. So I don't know. I just found like when I grew up, when I wanted like Mulan toys and stuff, I've never found any. Not many. No, I mean, I. So it's quite interesting because even when I was younger, my favourite characters were um, Jasmine, Pocahontas, like the darker skin characters. But then also, mm-hmm. um, like Snow White, I loved as well, and like more, more of like kind of like, yeah, the more popular characters. Mulan, I never identified with, and I don't know whether it's because. Not, not not identified with, but I never enjoyed it as much. Like I've only watched it a few times compared to the amount of times I've watched Aladdin growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know whether it's because it came out a bit later as well, didn't it? Like it came out... I think at 98. So yeah, it might have been 98. Bit, uh... Uh, but yeah, it's really interesting because I don't have that like affinity that I probably should do as a Chinese person to Mulan. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, this, this idea of should as well, I think can be... Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't think anyone should just because it's a similar ethnicity yeah. because you have to take into factor in consideration, you know, the when it came out, so your age, and yeah. also it is a very Americanized um, version, mm. you know. So I think I only identified with it because when that came out, I was about three or four. Mm, yeah, right? yeah, you know. So and then by the time it was around in circulation on DVDs and VHS, mm. I was already like five or six are old enough and then I have yeah. a lot of older cousins as well so and again you know personality like I I quite enjoy things to do with you know um like historical China so yeah that's for me but um mm. yeah I don't I don't think there's no there there's, shouldn't be a should you're okay. right uh-huh. there shouldn't be a should <laughs> god damn it there doesn't need <laughs> to be a should you're right you're right yeah. but I, mean, I do feel like, yeah. yeah sorry you were saying go on I could have Oh, you might you might have identified with other things that that resonated with you more. Mm. What in terms of Disney characters? Disney or Disney. just general like um, you know media that you were growing up with. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the mainstream as well. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I think with with Mulan anyway. There's like a whole other thing with Mulan now where. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've watched the new Mulan, haven't you? On your Chinese <laughs> box. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, illegal I mean, Chinese box. <laughs> well, I mean, is it illegal? We purchased it legally. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I won't lie. I definitely would not pay money to see it. And to be honest, mm. the Chinese box is amazing because it adds <laughs> Chinese subtitles onto all the films, you know, mm. even French films or Korean films. So I can, I get to enjoy international films with my parents. And yeah. like, English is fine, but, mm. you know, having the Chinese subtitles is always uh, additional support to help them, you know, yeah. extralize some of the phrases that maybe they don't really get. And again, it is American film, so there could be, you know, just, it really helps. So there's no shame in using the Chinese TV box. <laughs> no shame at all no I love it I like anything that you can get for free I'm down for I'm down for because it's like $30 on Disney plus or something to watch well that's it it's in the UK I think you have to pay your is it not like 10 or 20 pound monthly subscription and an additional 20 quid on top of it so 40 pound to watch a film that yeah not guaranteed to be amazing 
yeah so I, i'm i mean the tv box has done a lot of wonders for us like we watched um parasite as a family and mm. that, i don't know if you've seen it yet but i won't spoil it um, no i know i haven't but, but i want to i've watched the must yeah okay yeah which one have you watched? I've watched the, uh, no, I watched um, Snowpiercer by the same uh-huh. director uh-huh. Uh, of Parasite, but I've not seen Parasite yet. So I watched Snowpiercer on Netflix, which we've seen it because not yet. But I've watched all of his other yeah. films. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. I mean, I need to watch more. Uh, I need to watch more. Everyone keeps saying how great it is, but I do totally kind of relate because I think with my family growing up, we didn't watch that many films for that reason. If we did, there were more Chinese films or yeah, yeah, yeah. Eng- English films with with subtitles or dubbed in some way so like uh-huh. i think it's quite difficult like being like let's go to the cinema and watch this and they just didn't they just didn't take us to the cinema very often because um like they just wouldn't enjoy it or wouldn't understand it like yeah i've taken mum to see lamez before she's been so confused <laughs> just like she's been like didn't understand a single word <laughs> I mean, that's, that's quite a complicated film because they're not just singing, yes. they're singing. So then you have to, that makes it yeah. even harder to follow. Yeah, it's complicated even if you're an English native speaker. <laughs> well, like, then. I, I didn't even understand. When I, I, I used to do a lot of Amdram back in the day. And even yeah. like, I, I, we put on um, Les Mis as one of the productions. And even I didn't understand what the fuck was going on until like halfway through the actual <laughs> show run. Because there's complicated storylines. There's lots of yeah. depth to it. So, but then I taught my mum to see Wicked and again, she was like a bit confused. <laughs> I, think, I think as well, and we talked about musicals like prior mm. to And I, I think, you know, sometimes musicals, you need to have so much contextual understanding and also like the popular, um, like pop culture understanding in yeah. order for you to actually be able to consume um you know the the piece because i've i've been That's to true. you know some before like anita uh, not anita what <laughs> anita. <laughs> anita you anita know you know that musical anita <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the cantonese version anita <laughs> anita i love that version <laughs> no i mean evita so like mm-hmm. i i know of it but I totally went in blind and i watched that and i came away thinking like i enjoyed the music but i actually don't understand what happened because it it takes quite a lot of um you know energy and time to Mm. hear and understand the lyrics and then to translate that into a storyline and then once you've done that it's on to like the next you know two Mm. or third song already so yeah are three songs so you're playing catch up so I think musicals can be like tough for a native English speaker let alone someone who is coming at it as a second language or third language or fourth language you know <laughs> yeah that is so true like I, I don't even know what Evita's about and I've seen it I can't tell you <laughs> was she was she the president of the country uh the pre- well yeah the, the wife of um the wife of of Juan Peron but I'm not going to go into because my history in this field is is not spot on so I don't want to uh, provide you with uh, false <laughs> or inaccurate information literally just the plot will do I know nothing about it <laughs> seen it still know nothing yeah so sorry mom I shouldn't really diss her for not being <laughs> basically able to understand. celeb who becomes uh, a much revered and controversial politician <sighs> and then Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice who wrote a lot of like the Lion King Elton John songs you know they then made this musical about it Mm, I see that's a very very quick uh (laughs) summary 
I feel like it's more than what most people would know, more than what most people know. So do you want to tell the listeners how we met? And because actually we've we've not met in person yet, have we? We are online friends. We're online friends. Online friends. A bit of like asterisks and wavy lines. Um, <laughs> yeah, so how did I meet you? Um, I met you via a British-born Chinese Facebook group. And it was started up by Daisy Butter, who was one of the first BBCs that I came across online, who actively spoke out about the racism towards um, particularly Chinese people because of the recent coronavirus. And I remember you had posted um, your first episode of this podcast Mm -hmm. and you said, you know, oh, this is a new um, thing for me. I just wanted to ask what people thought, give it a listen. And I remember listening to it and you were probably like the second public BBC voice that I came across on the internet. And I thought, no way. Oh my God, this is brilliant. You know, I thought um, this is someone who is, you know, just like me, like there are BBCs of course, like in the media, but it's very different when they're portrayed in films and TV and they already have you know, a, a persona and branding around them. Whereas doing a podcast, it's really about you. So I remember listening to your podcast and I gave you this really long feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, who is this girl? <laughs> like, unwarranted feedback. And then you, you kept, you know, making more episodes and I kept listening. And that was towards the beginning of lockdown. And I've just really enjoyed it and I've kept harassing you with like, oh my God, this is amazing. But oh my God, please make more episodes. <laughs> And um, yeah, so I think we've known each other since yeah. March, April, whenever you started. Yeah, your- I, d- I didn't take it as feedback. I just thought it was a discussion. Like, I, like you know, I took it as like, oh my gosh, this person knows so much. And then I, I remember thinking like, shit, she should do this podcast instead. <laughs> like, I, there's so much in my, there's so much knowledge gap that I have. And like, you were just adding so much and stuff and like sending me really, really interesting, thought provoking messages, really, really long messages, but very thought provoking, <laughs> very bloody long. <laughs> but it's good though, because um, it just meant, like, I felt really flattered. So, like, thank you, because it meant that people were interested in having that discussion with me, which is what this is all about. You know, I think like if I put it out there and no one listened, I'd be like, oh, cool. But yeah, the fact yeah. that like it was resonating and like, like prompting discussions and, and thoughts I think that was a really cool thing but see that seemed like so long ago now because we've done a lot since then together as like a unit with the team at BC haven't we like yeah yeah, yeah from definitely. from where we were like so we after start the podcast and then I started the petition thing and then mm. you wrote that really the visceral letter to <laughs> David Whitfield which like my mum still talks about now like everyone keeps saying like what a great writer you are what a great writer you are and everything and it was just obviously credit to you because it was just honestly spot on um and then we, since then we've launched be seen together with alongside with four other women which is is that right yes. yeah <laughs> which is just uh, which is just incredible like we work together now in, in our activism yeah, yeah. work which from when lockdown first started in march to september so much has changed yeah exactly and and also i should i should say as well congratulations to how well like you know your podcast has been i counted a few days ago that i think you're on 30 or 31 now and it's amazing to see like the variety of of guests you've had on and the subject matters you cover so you know it's it's quite 
strange to go from almost me sort of finding someone online that I'm like oh my god I, I really um resonate with what this person's saying and then to as you say like working with each other in the past month um with the petition and you know that that letter was really written because I was so infuriated by the response <laughs> you had received and and that's just led on to an amazing thing in in the past month or so with um the six of us um collectively with um charlie mayan amy um izzy and um us two <laughs> sorry and us two yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> just missing us <laughs> yeah 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 exactly and then you know like with with how the, the whatsapp group that we have oh, oh my god it's um i have to say listeners uh there is some juicy content in there <laughs> <laughs> not to make anyone feel left out at all yes, exactly. but the whatsapp group is so great <laughs> way but, too much time but it's amazing and and it's amazing how like yes unfortunately it has come out of something that's um you know quite difficult um across like you know universally for a lot of the east and southeast asian community but of course out of hard times comes some really brilliant stuff mm. you know so um i've i've never felt so connected to online strangers before in the most flattering <laughs> way possible you know <laughs> because because you've you've met um you've met amy have you met charlie yet no, I haven't. Okay, okay. Despite well, you... us living in, both in the northwest. Yeah, yeah, and you know we're all quite spread out as well. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm the furthest. Well, I don't know with Senegal. With, um, yeah, I was going to say Mayan and Senegal. Maybe that's not as far yeah. as Scotland, but um, or that, no, Scotland's not as far as Senegal. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, distance-wise, I don't really know the diff the what the where the center point is between yeah, you. Yeah. Mayan in Senegal and then us in the northwest and then Amy and Isabel in London probably Spain because, <laughs> because you know I looked at the map yesterday at like how many hours it took for me to drive down to Senegal <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon like Spain Portugal area so so really we, we should meet in Spain is what we're saying here we should have our be seen meet up in Spain mm -hmm. it needs to happen I think like so. And it could so easily be done had, had it not been for coronavirus, but then we probably wouldn't have met. What? Exactly, that's it. Well, had it not it? been for coronavirus, yeah. How, how do you feel in terms of like your, um, how you feel, like looking back from mm -hmm. how you felt at the start of lockdown and to, to now in terms of like, I don't know, your identity and, and mm -hmm. what you've learned, how do you feel like that transition has, if there's been a transition, has been? I think there has been a dramatic change since, um, I don't know if I would say March, but certainly April. Um, and quite a few like contributing factors. Like firstly, being at home with my mom and dad every day, the whole mm -hmm. day. I've never had that like before, not even when I was growing up because they were so busy working. Yeah. And we, watched like a film every day we consumed a lot of um like Cantonese media and you know I've sent you videos before we've done a lot of karaoke so then <laughs> I had this very like I just didn't really ever speak English because I didn't go mm. out you know and then 
and then with like the news surrounding um what's been happening um towards the chinese community and and um by extension east asians and southeast asians um it made me very aware you know of of who i am or what i look like to other people and then going on from that as i said meeting yourself and meeting other bbcs um or other like british based uh, east asians and southeast asians um on instagram primarily then i think there was definitely like um i don't know if i would use the word reassertion but um you know that that part of of who i am just became more and more pronounced and like now um with be seen and you know doing the hacker stories for example on instagram mm. um i've never felt as um I don't know if I should use the word proud because I've always felt proud of, of my background, but, you know, really like, I just want to shout it to everyone, you know, really um, energized and motivated by it. Um, mm. And that's, and that's something I've not felt as strongly before, you know, until now. Mm. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that sentiment as well. Like I think, I think for a long time, my, my family would even say like, I'm, I'm the most like white, what white out of uh, my family and i didn't yeah. really like not care but i just didn't i ignored being chinese for so long and, and my culture and uh -huh. then like through doing the podcast through meeting everyone um and and learning so much like just how many how my parts of my identity that i didn't even realize were my identity have like resurfaced like you doing your hacka stories on instagram has made me realize shit i'm hacka too and mm -hmm. i understand everything that carly's saying i just can't speak a word of it for shit but like how i've just ignored that part of my identity like i've never said to anyone unless they asked me uh, i'm a hacka chinese person yeah, I just yeah. say I just say oh, I'm Chinese and that's where it ends yeah um and like so credit to you for bringing that because you kind of started a little bit of a trend <laughs> on Instagram where oh, oh, like not at all yeah no it was amazing and you've taught us so much in terms of um speaking hat guy because I, I looked online and I saw the stat where only 22 percent of people aged between 19 and 29 actually speak hat guy and that figure oh, is right. even lower for children 18 and under and so you're one of the first British-born Chinese people that, well, actually, my cousins do speak it, but in terms of, like, being, like, I'm a Hakka person, let's learn some Hakka together that yeah, I've, yeah. I've met before, and you can you can speak it really well. So how did you oh, learn? Okay. Did you speak it at home growing up, or was it more Cantonese or a mixture? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my first language um, because, my, as I say, my parents are both Hakka, and mm. my, my dad in particular has a very strong... Um, like Hakka identity so and and his like so we we tend to well we live with more of my dad's side and mm. they all speak to each other in Hakka so I grew up speaking that first and I'm just a very nosy person so I didn't want to <laughs> miss out on all the gossip from what they were talking about <laughs> I I kept up you know I I um it was just much easier to speak to my parents in Hakka and mm. yeah I'd speak to them in Cantonese but it was never as natural for my my mum and dad so that um that's i guess that's why i've kept up and you know it, it is quite funny when the older relatives or friends of of relatives kind of realize that oh this this wee girl speaks hakka and mm. i'm like yeah you know check me out i can i can speak hakka <laughs> and, and i guess that sort of um 
yeah the, the pride or also like um not indignant but you know the way of feeling like yeah I can do that you know mm. don't underestimate me you know I've, yeah that competitiveness um has has made me continue the the hacker but I mean also like I wouldn't have done it if it weren't for your encouragement as well you know and <laughs> and I wanted to say as well earlier that you know when you talked about your identity and hearing you talk about it in the past 30 or so episodes of your podcast it's amazing to see and hear you think you know how you've changed and and talk yourself through that and you know I, I definitely don't doubt that a lot of people out there um, like you and I who are British born Chinese um, have probably grown up thinking oh yeah I'm Chinese and then that's it and just mm. left it at the door without feeling like you know being able to have full claim over it or um, have had really the language um, mm. or you know support or resources to to engage or discuss with it so you know kudos to you for for inspiring so many people out there um, no kudos to you Carly but thank <laughs> you that is so kind but yeah I mean it's just been I think I, I just I think even from the start of the podcast to now there's been so much like change in my thinking and like mm. now this is like a new territory of like oh I'm like ah let's explore this a bit and let's just talk it through and and try to understand what it means to be Hatgan. Like when I was doing my research before this um podcast, like I found out so many things that I didn't know about my ancestry. Like the yeah. fact that like yeah. like Hagga people have like started in the north of China. Yeah. You know way more about this than I do. So like I please jump in at any time. Um and then went down to the south of China and like so I so my my family came from the north of China at some point, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of um and then how Hagga people have migrated to the likes of Jamaica. So we have yes. lots of Jamaican Hagga people. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't even know that the literal translation, but now it makes so much sense of Hagga means guest families. Mm -hmm. How crazy is that? that <laughs> I, I just literally found that out whilst I was just researching. And it makes so much sense because, look, please jump in again if, you, if I'm no, saying no, this wrong. No, no, please. You no, know you're going, you're, you're getting it right because like they were always seen as like um the other another han chinese group yeah they, yeah. they were like the guest the guest chinese people mm -hmm. in like taiwan and on other parts of china china and other countries so they were mm -hmm. always like the guest family yeah yeah is that why yeah and and because yeah. over again i mean my my knowledge is just through the internet so i haven't studied yeah, this Wikipedia. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, from what I understand is that um, the Hakka group, the community, as you say, started from the north and they migrated down south because of years of persecution and war. And um, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they've they've migrated um, and spread not just around China, but also in overseas um, Chinese communities as well. And um, yeah, it, it does make a lot of sense when you think about the food as well. And I guess the culture. Um, and it's mm. it's quite amazing to then think about us in that um in relation to that where in a way we're also othered because we're slightly different from our perhaps british counterparts or our white british counterparts i should say um and this othering you know is is a theme that is quite um recurrent in in how i feel anyway in our lives uh, and it's just interesting to see how that manifests in different manners and 
yeah I mean I think knowing that that's just made me even more um interested in finding mm. out more you know and yeah. that long history that's quite amazing yeah. yeah the history is really is so important I think like just even just on my research on the interweb and just seeing <laughs> how like I didn't realize that uh, because of like they were really um there's a lot of hatred towards hat guy communities even towards um by the Cantonese people and I read I read up that like um there was a mass killing of hat guys by the Cantonese people in the 19th century and I was like but mm. wait a second where I'm hat guy Cantonese mm-hmm. so my people were fighting against my people yeah and like to find that out I was really I didn't realize that there, there was so much in, into racism within our own yes. like, communities um, and like going back to the food as well. So do, what do you know about the food in terms of like Hakka food and what's, what's typically, would you see any Hakka food in like a Chinese takeaway? Uh, I just know that it tastes bloody amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I won't, um, I'm definitely not a specialist in this field, but um, I think, as you say, like speaking about Hakka and, and Cantonese communities, um, so much of our histories are connected that it's, you know, filtered into the food. And then that has been brought over in particular to the UK. Um, again, speaking from like my own experience mm. and my own community, a lot of um, overseas like Chinese in Britain started off being from Hong Kong because of obviously the um, colonialist link. And those that moved from Hong Kong tended to be you know those from villages and a lot of villages were Hakka villages so then the food that was brought over there are some perhaps leanings towards a Hakka and Cantonese um Mm. you know style of food but I, I don't know if it appears so much in takeaway um maybe in in like restaurant style food but one of my favorite hacker dishes um is mui choy kao so it's the um mm. braised pork with yeah. um taro oh my god that's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they do they do like um a lot of preserved meats and tofu and, and yeah, stew, exactly. stewed and braised it's just because they had to um preserve a lot of things because mm-hmm. they were quite um because they didn't get what's the words fill me in here Carly fill me in yeah. <laughs> I mean you you clearly know more about this and I've done the research than I have I've just turned up being like hi I will just have a wee chat this <laughs> afternoon no no I just literally went on Wikipedia and a few other websites <laughs> I know nothing I know nothing like, that's not true I, you know a lot of things you know a lot of things <laughs> thanks, Carly. thanks Carly um but so yeah, in terms of like the, the food, like I, I'm just trying to think back of what like other other hakka food that I know of that I've eaten that I've not even realised has been hakka. Like the white chicken is that hakka food? What batik guy? Yeah. Uh, see, <laughs> white chicken. Is that what <laughs> I think that's what you're meaning. Um, yeah. The one that you dip in like ginger and spring it's, onion. Yeah, that amazing. Gan chong so. Yeah, I think. I don't know maybe it is but see the weird thing is I don't differentiate what is Hakka because my family are are predominantly Hakka so I don't realize maybe the differences in the food but I know Mm. my my Hong Kong Chinese friend um who has stayed with us before sometimes she'll say like oh that's not something that I'm used to and it's like for example as simple as you know the roast um uh crispy pork belly Mm. right and 
a lot of Hong Kongers just dip that in is it plum sauce or they or they just have it as is but hakka yeah is it in sugar ah and yeah. that's a very minute detail that i hadn't realized until someone pointed out to me that oh that's a hacker thing to do oh i didn't know sugar. that either i didn't know that like i we've barely done that in terms of dipping it in sugar do you do that at home yeah <laughs> oh my god that sounds amazing that's and sweet it, and it really brings out, yeah exactly it brings out the flavor <sighs> oh that sounds so good do you think it would be difficult to be a vegetarian if you were a hacker? Oh yeah, oh it's, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's difficult to be a vegetarian if you're if you're eating Chinese cuisine. Well, my opinion, but um, yeah, it's quite interesting because I know someone who lives in in Hong Kong, but because of like the uh, there's so many kind of um, the Buddhism is obviously one of the yes, most uh -huh. um, prevalent um, religions in Hong Kong. Um, there's a lot of vegetarian restaurants actually in hong kong which i didn't know like i just thought like it was just me 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 mm. in in chinese cuisine but that's just i guess i guess you just blanket statement statement making yeah. a blanket statement across all kind of chinese cuisines but actually there's a big subset of um vegetarian chinese cuisine um but i think when it comes to, like the cantonese chinese mm. it is predominantly very very meat heavy like I'd i think it's definitely if if you're looking for it you'll find it like mm. again we're not um veggie or vegans and i think it's very difficult to be vegan if you're living in an asian country in my opinion um but uh with hong kong for example the veggie scene um because obviously they have access to a lot a, a bigger range of vegetables it's actually pretty amazing i've i had one um it was a sweet and sour um, it was meant to be pork, but they used um, monkey head mushroom. So it's hao hao gu. And it has this texture that yeah. it's actually like pork. And I ate Ooh. it thinking, oh my God, it's amazing. But it, I don't mm. know if you heard my dad sneeze there. <laughs> yeah, I, <did. laughs> I heard something. I heard a bark or it was something. <laughs> Chinese man sneeze. <laughs> But yeah, I think there is there is a big um veggie scene. It's just that sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah, it's just finding it, isn't it? I remember like I went through that phase of them being vegetarian with my family, and my dad like absolutely vilified me. Like he actually shouted at me. Because you are so my fan, which means you're so annoying. Yeah, yeah. Um and yeah i kind of like well i didn't last very long anyway like when i lived in london i was veggie i was predominantly veggie at home uh, uh -huh. but i'd cook for myself for like two years pretty much i didn't yeah. eat that much meat and i think it's because i was in control of what I was, I, I was eating and then even moving back um up north and then living with someone else i was probably veggie there too um mm -hmm. but then moving back home I've eaten so much meat for a whole year. I've moved back home and like literally every single, most meals contain meat and yeah. if not, then seafood or fish or something. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't used to it at first because my mum would actually, she's so great. She'd be like, do you want to eat meat or do you want to eat veg tonight? And she'd know that I'd be, I'd lean more towards vegetarian stuff half the time. Um, uh -huh. but, but then again, you just can't be a good old like tassie or like you just, there's yeah. no vegetarian substitute that will be as good as as yeah anything. And, I, and i think as well like in growing up anyway like my parents always taught me like the chinese diet has to have a plate of veg a plate of fish and a plate of meat like it's very well rounded so i think you know it's the kind of concern of oh, oh my fan you know 
doing all these mm. options it's probably out of a of like a, are you actually eating healthily mm. you know, I think yeah and again I think for me anyway for our family we're, we're quite big meat eater, eaters mm. um, and I'm definitely more I wouldn't say I'm like more veggie leaning but I prefer more vegetables available than than yeah meat. Yeah, same. I do as well. But how so, how do you replace char seal exactly? You can't like you know <laughs> like you see like some vegans turn like watermelon into like to make it oh, smell like, it's, uh-huh, like uh-huh. a smoked had it uh, smoked ham. Uh huh. And you use they will use a watermelon. Like no, no, get away. You can't beat things like roast goose. No, you know, like, oh, like roast duck. <laughs> My my uncle does a really good roast duck and oh. oh my god my mouth's watering so much I know <laughs> I need to eat <laughs> so so we've not talked about you being an artiste yet oh, um, okay. and I've looked on your Instagram so for anyone listening if you don't follow Carly on Instagram she's at Woo Carly and where have you been because she posts incredible things um, and you draw a lot of kind of your own like cultural influence into your art so yeah when when did you begin doing this so I probably started um to incorporate my own like heritage um back in 2014 15 um second year of art school um and at the time I was I was looking at a lot of um racial discourse actually um I found it very hard to find a topic that I was interested in to make work from. So at the time, my classmates were making a lot of um, like pieces on quite abstract concepts, um, like minimalism or like the idea of painting. And I just I, I, I admire it and I and I love reading into it, but I just couldn't make any mm. myself. I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I, I started to look at something that's always been interested um, to me um, and that's always been identity. And in second year, uh, I looked at a lot of what it meant to be different and othered. And it's a very um, intense you know subject and it requires a lot of energy and labor and also care mm. and I and I didn't I was I was too young like I didn't really I wasn't equipped you know to deal with that so I left that for you know half a year a year and then in my third year at, at art school coincidentally my uncle was selling off his um, restaurant which had been around for 30 years so it was a very like um stable and constant aspect in all of our lives and Mm. especially for for my family since that was where my parents met they've always worked there and Mm. they they took over it for the last few years and then my when my uncle decided to sell it you know there was this um sadness that that Mm. stayed around and lingered because it felt like we were losing a a, a very core part of us you know yeah and and I guess um even though I hated working there um <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people hate working at their own you know yeah. restaurant and takeaways because of like the the stereotype and also like the obligations that that you have um yeah. but then even though I I didn't like it there was also a part of me that really wanted to preserve it so then I started to make work about this uh, restaurant and takeaway 
and I started to look at like um, sort of visual inspiration as well as what it meant um, conceptually in terms of the British Chinese community as a whole. And then that led on to um, my fourth year, which another coincidental event is um, at my dad's village, Kato Island, um, or Kato for any Cantonese speakers. We have a, a festival that happens every 10 years. So it's a huge thing for my dad's village because it means um, people like who have moved abroad like him all come back to the island at the same time and they put on a big show. Um, in terms of like honoring the the goddess um Tinhao or Mangyong as we call it in Hakka. And it's a way of you know um celebrating and asking the the goddess to protect the village and its um future generations. And because that that happens every 10 years and I've been to I think I've been to three different editions. Um I was 21 at the time and or 20 and it was like my adult experience of mm. Hong Kong, of Kato Island, of this um, Dadiel festival. And I really wanted to document that because, you know, in the next 10 years when I'm 30, my dad will be, you know, in his mid 60s. The folk that organize this festival will be in their 60s, 70s, possibly 80s. Mm. You know, who's going to take on the responsibility? Who in our generation, in my generation, is going to take that on and still understand and keep the tradition. So because of that and mm. my own um, sense of self with my hacker background, um, it then really made me celebrate that aspect. And again, with the village, it doesn't have a lot of documentation. So you know just more and more things seem yeah. to spurred me on to make my art practice about um like the hacker heritage this village in particular the british chinese experience um or the, the british hong kong chinese experience um and yeah and it's all really come together to form what it is now so it's a bit of a um i think amalgamation of everything but um so much of it comes from this sense of grasping um at at something that i very likely will lose in future because mm. i i'm just not equipped with that um you know cultural understanding you mm. know stuff like for example my dad he um he does like bison bison which is um like praying to the ancestors in a in relation to like the taoist religion you mm. know like burning paper ephemera um like all of that nobody really practices that um yeah. in hong kong let alone in diaspora communities let alone in such a like you know he'll say right today is chaw whatever it is we have to buy some we have to do something mm. for our for our ancestors so yeah a lot of it comes from um wanting to to really hold on and preserve that mm. um because it's not something that you can really record and just understand from reading a book you know you have to really live that experience you have to practice it and keep it as part of your life so yeah it's a very long-winded way to explain that's really interesting um, what I do <laughs> thank you for sharing no I think I think it's really interesting and really beautiful that this can like our, our um 
cultural identity and our history and traditions can be preserved in such a beautiful art form you know it's mm -hmm. it's it's um really quite inspiring hearing that and, and almost kind of makes me feel a sense of sadness too that you're right in the sense that the generations are changing and that tradition unfortunately is going to dilute in some way and maybe yeah, turn into yeah. something else um and and almost form new traditions but in in a way it's, it's kind of sad knowing that like our future generations they aren't going to have that same experience that you have done or your dad or or the people yeah, his predecessors yeah. and um I know I almost feel like as well, like I've missed out on so much of that because I've known nothing about my Hakka side um, for so long. I didn't know anything to do, like this festival, I've never heard of it. I don't even know what it signifies. And and it's been really interesting just hearing your experience of like how that has been brought into your work and, and your big part of your identity. Um, so thank you for sharing. I think that's really cool. You know, I just, I just thought you just drew some nice, pretty pictures of like, dragons and stuff. Just because I said do that too. Know. <laughs> but, but also, you know, again, it comes down to people's personalities. Like it just so mm. happens that my dad is very uh, in tune with that part of his background. You know, mm. he's. I wouldn't say he's that old, but his um, yeah. mentality and his attitudes and his and his global view is is quite strangely dated you know um but you know that's that's not necessarily something that you've missed out on because um you know people's people's um re relationships with their heritage are different mm. so i mean that's yeah. i can only share um what i have experienced and that's already quite a a specific type you know a lot of hacker people that i've met as well um they look at me and think oh my god how many centuries are you from you know like <laughs> it's quite dated as well i'm aware of that um so it's it's but that's that's also the wonder of how mm. um how diverse and vibrant our british chinese mm. backgrounds are yeah absolutely like i think I think I was talking to you about how, like I mentioned, you're you're an old soul, and <laughs> you said you, you've heard that before, haven't you? Like yeah, so definitely. many times, which just means that you you've met, your soul has probably lived loads of different past lives before, lots of different. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's what they say. That's very like, flattering. You, Thank you. If, if you believe it, is it? Are you being all oh, right? <laughs> yeah, it begins into no, like, <laughs> spiritual. I thought you being sarcastic then. So it's like like spirituality wise, like you you have you have lived and had the wisdom from all these past lives, and that's why oh, that's okay. why you are an old soul, apparently. Speaking of, do you believe in spirits? Because I think yeah, yeah, <laughs> you. I get very scared um, thinking about spirits, but I do believe in spirits. Yeah, I um. I would say I'm 90% inclined to believe because again, <gasps> I, I'm brought up in a household that does things with, mm. you know, the ancestors that's so prominent in my life that mm. um, it's kind of hard not to believe, but I'm also that 10% is like, no, I don't believe them. I don't want to see them. I don't want it to be proven right <laughs> yeah. because uh, no thanks. You know? Yeah. I don't want like <laughs> the ring girl to be like in my bed, that kind of spirit. I don't want that kind of spirit. I'd like a nice spirit that shows me the way. And, okay you know is it guides me in life but i don't want like the scary spirits i mean even even if it was a nice spirit i think i'd i'd be worried like i'd freak out like i've had dreams mm. where i've seen my grandma like my 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 dad's mom um and that creeps me out a little bit <laughs> really so that's your experience with like the spiritual world is when you've they've they've entered your dreams well I mean that's the only like and that's my grand so it's not mm. I don't 
I would put it down as as like that's spiritual. But my brother has has seen some stuff, and my my brother has had. Go on, <laughs> spill. Tell us. Tell and us. My, and my dad obviously has come in contact <gasps> with stuff, so I'm kind of like, I know it's around, but I don't want it. I don't want any. What's the specific story that from either your your dad or your brother? Um. Oh, plenty. Um. My brother. So we used to live in a quite a small house, and um, we would have the shrine in like the little conservatory, like extension. And my brother used to play like his Lego in front of the shrine, and he would always tell us like sometimes when he's playing there, he felt someone kind of touch the back of his head, like oh like a stroke, right? Oh. And we were like, and we were like, oh, I'm sure it's just drafty in the extension. He was like, no, no, like I could feel someone touch like the back of my head. And there was another time where my dad said to him, oh, Kieran, you know, do you want a song tong? Song tong in Hakka means like to allow yourself, allow your body to become a conduit to a spirit. So you invite no. the spirit into it. No, dad, no, say no. Brother, say no. And my brother was like, yeah, okay, why not? And he was <gasps> like, five or something and my dad was you know he wasn't being serious but apparently when my brother was like kneeling in front of the shrine and he looked at the picture of the ancestors he saw the photo blink <gasps> and, <laughs> oh my god about this in the daytime right otherwise we'd yeah we'd i get I might, i've got goosebumps i get really <laughs> bad goosebumps and then i start crying as well i don't know whether you can see but when oh, i hear okay. stories like that i for some reason i start crying it's really it's a really weird reaction oh. <laughs> I won't, I won't tell you anymore I've got a lot worse but that's the most like nice ones you know oh god I want to hear the I want to <laughs> hear the the really horrible ones as well they're, they're not that horrible do you want to hear like a scary one yeah yeah, hit, right, yeah okay. go on, hit. so this is this is my trigger warning for anyone who's scared of ghosts or you could cut this out if it's too scary um <laughs> this is from like my Hong Kong friend and her uh little cousin so her uncle's daughter um my is, children are involved it's just too uh-huh. much and and they're more likely to come in contact with spirits mm. just because they're more like um i don't know if the word innocent is the correct term but they're more uh, susceptible to these things they're just open aren't they yes because we've they've it. not been taught yet to be like block that out block that yeah. out but as yeah. we get older that's something that we like i've told it's weird don't yeah. engage exactly and you're also less likely to brush it off as oh that was just a trick of the eye or Mm. or you rationalize it right as an adult yeah so for for her um i think she was about four or five or something and they were in hong kong and um i think she was you know what kids do when they walk along the bushes and they kind of drag their hands along or the wall or something Mm. so she did that was like her habit and then one day she got high fever and she was very ill for a couple of days now I don't know why her aunt and uncle didn't go and consult a doctor maybe they did and it didn't work mm. but they then consulted a man my paw in English that means ask rice women and that is is right. used to describe a woman who is like a spiritual medium so mm. they asked a man my paw um or someone like that maybe not not mm. that but anyway they asked mm. a spiritual medium and said oh what's up with this child and the the person like channeled whatever and and found out that the spirit had attached itself to the child and the reason why the child was sick was because the spirit said oh it bothered me what what bothered the child bothered it like it must have touched it along the way and And so the spirit made it made the child sick but um, (gasps) and then they got rid of it so it all was fine but she is this this girl has had a few other encounters where maybe 
you know she got in a taxi with her mom and then when they mm. left the taxi she turned around and she was like oh bye and her mom was like who are you saying bye to and the wee girl said oh I'm saying bye to the papa in the taxi I'm saying bye to the oh old God. lady in the taxi that's too much you, you can cut that out if it's too scary no no no, no. Has, like it's it's amazing it's really good good content good content <laughs> but I'm all here for that's so scary that is yeah. so scary. Oh my gosh. Um, thank you for sharing that. We're going to move on to the final segment yes. of the podcast, um, which I'll play the jingle <laughs> now for you. Yes. Let's just actually, let's just see whether it works. Are you ready for this? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm okay. sorry. Oh my gosh, thank you for dancing. That's like the most enthusiastic <laughs> dance I've had yet. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I very much um, appreciate this segment. <laughs> so so as you know, as a podcast listener yourself, to um we basically ask you questions about how Asian you are. And we take this as a joke. It's a very lighthearted poke at, at being Asian um yes. if you can answer yes that means you get one point if you answer no that means you don't get a point it's as simple as that okay so question number one did mm -hmm. you ever used to be scared of chinese dragons no no but you, you <laughs> practice it with your dad though don't you or you have oh, done it in the past. that's a bit of a a generous statement there um i don't I don't I don't do any dragon or lion dancing. However, I've got cousins down in Kent um, who have their own like group. Um, but we have um, Kaylin heads. So a Kaylin is a, some people call it a Chinese unicorn, but it's a mytho mythological creature um, that is very prominent in Hakka culture. And mm it's there's a form of dancing that is similar to line dancing but it's with the kaylin head and mm. it's used in religious and spiritual events so we have two in the house and during lockdown we had nothing to do and we decided we would try and do some <laughs> kaylin dancing <laughs> for the thursday night clap for the nhs to just be a oh, bit different <laughs> i love that <laughs> so we brought out the gong and the cymbals and i looked at the internet some youtube videos and yeah how people did um Kaylin dancing and I and I did my own uh <laughs> take on it <laughs> oh I love that how was that received uh I think the white scotch people on our street were like oh my god why are there gongs why are there symbols what is happening and, <laughs> and they, they found it as a nice novelty and it was it was fun yeah oh I love that again learn something new it is different I'm glad that they kind of took it as something nice and, and light-hearted and a bit of fun yeah i think that week was also the week that everyone decided to try something different rather than clapping so like right. people brought out like i remember someone bought out a pot and then the kids mm. down the street brought out their little like triangle or their trumpet and just <laughs> as they started my mum came out banging the cymbals and like <laughs> brilliant but you stole the show basically you stole the show yeah, you, sorry you served kids. all of them <laughs> sorry kids the chinese dragon beats the, the mythical unicorn beats like your triangles unfortunately <laughs> um question number two yeah. did you ever pass chinese school uh i did 11 years and i did <gasps> uh a gscse 
and I did oh, a, a GCSE in Kelsey. Oh, a GCSE. Sorry, I couldn't get the words out. Sorry, it's English like, is not my first language. I, I wondered, sorry, I wondered whether it was a Scottish equivalent or the Chinese equivalent of a GCSE. Was it GCSE? Yeah, GSESE. GSE. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I did a, a GCSE because we yeah. don't have that in Scotland. We have, um, when I was at school, we had standard grades. So, uh, so but there, there's only, like, there's no standard grade for Cantonese. There's only a GCSE. Mm. So um, I did that and I did an A level, I think, or is it AS level? I don't know. The one that's. <gasps> in Chinese? From, in Mandarin in or? Cantonese. Cantonese. Uh huh. And I didn't do very well on that. <laughs> Do you, do you want to tell anyone anyone what you got in that? Uh, so I got an A star in my GCSE because it was piss easy. Ah! And then with my A level, I got a C. Which C is good. C. Do you, do you want to know what I got in history? A C for I got like I know I got like a G in history or something like that. Wasn't I didn't even know you could get that type of grade. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that either. It wasn't a G. It wasn't a G. It was like it was like a D. It okay. was a, I got a D in history, AS. Oh, okay. C, C, is, C is not bad. It's the third one down. It's like you came third. <laughs> yeah, I came third, <laughs> but not first. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> like that's fucking true. hell, that's that's way more than um, what I know. Like I, I can't even write my own bloody name. I forget how to write my name sometimes in Chinese. So no, but you do know, and I think as well, like the grade, especially when it's like. A language like Chinese it's not really reflective of what you do know you know there's there's so much more like for us especially we're not just studying the language because it's a language we're studying it because it's it's part of our background right so mm -hmm. and so much of I think a lot of BBC consumption of Chinese um is actually through film and, and television and music mm. so we, we probably know a lot more than we're assessed on yeah just because I don't know how to write an essay on you know um why the beach is my favorite place to go doesn't mean i can't <laughs> sing a few songs in, in cantonese you know and carry on <laughs> yeah well great you get a point for that then okay i feel you. like you get two for that because you passed you did two qual qualifications it was very difficult there was a lot of um tears involved yeah 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 i know it, it kind of does make me think that oh, i'd love to go to uni and study chinese oh that's that's tough. That, that, it's that's just skipping GCSE and going straight to university. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's brave. I, I would <laughs> applaud you if you could. Uh, <laughs> do you know what? So many white people do it. Why can't I do it? Do you know what well, I mean? Go and change your job. Go and study Chinese. <laughs> just scrap the business. I'm going to uni. <laughs> Question number three. Mm -hmm. Did you ever used to have any Hello Kitty memorabilia? I don't know why I said used to, because you can still, as an adult, have Hello yes. Kitty memorabilia. Uh, I had a lot of Hello Kitty, like, stationery. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I've got a blanket downstairs that's a Hello Kitty blanket. <laughs> um, Love it. But I actually have more, like, other cartoon memorabilia mm -hmm. rather than Hello Kitty, because I, I grew up feeling like Hello Kitty was too girly. Okay. So I have a lot of, like... Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah. Um, Doctor Slump. I have a lot of um, Seosan crayon Shinchan. So the wee boy. Um, 
the wee boy which, which... Uh -huh. the, the wee boy um so it's a japanese cartoon that became very popular in hong kong when it got translated in cantonese mm. so i have a lot of like um like t-shirts or just useless shit with this <laughs> cartoon's face on it <laughs> are you a hoarder what chinese person isn't a hoarder <laughs> oh no honestly um, yeah. I, I wouldn't say i'm a hoarder i'm a collector mm. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's a really nice way of phrasing it. There's a good euphemism there for a hoarder. Mm. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay, you get a point for that. Thank you. Hopefully, you ever... yeah. Sorry. Oh. No, I was just hoping that I get a good score in this. You, you're doing very fantastic. You're doing fantastic. Has anyone ever mistook you for a different type of Asian? Yes. Uh, I have been called um, Cambodian once because mm. uh, I've got quite a dark complexion mm. and yes you know someone was like oh are you are you Cambodian and I'm mm. like no I've also been asked if I am um Thai or Filipino mm. yeah uh, same and then that tends to be it because I think I've got <laughs> quite a a Chinese looking face like a Hong yeah. Kong I mean that's that's quite a strange statement but no, I know um, what you mean. I know what you mean. But also darker, tanned, you know. So mm, yeah, yeah. So you get a point for that. It was amazing. It's amazing <laughs> that that's happened. It's um, weird that people. I mean, I don't know who has come up to you asking you that, but when people just say like, "Oh, are you this? Are you that?" Yeah, like why? Why do you go straight to that? Like, why do you not just like open the an open ended question? Just make it open ended. Um, yeah. it's mainly on dating apps. I think I talked about talked about oh, it on the last okay. podcast. Uh -huh. or, or just like I've had it before where some white man messaged me on LinkedIn being like because he saw my surname was yeah, I was like, excuse me, do you know? And then he'll say someone oh, else's name, something, yeah. something, yeah. And I'm just like, um, no. But imagine if I did though, it'd be pretty funny. Though I have one time someone asked me, um, I think I was doing a workshop or something and um I was yeah I was doing this workshop last year and it was like we had Chinese students or British Chinese um individuals who came to like help me out with this arts project mm. uh and then I was just chatting about and someone has said oh they're hacker as well and I was like oh ha 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 we could be related I mean, sometimes I make stupid jokes like that which are not very um good admittedly but it was like a sense of you know oh maybe maybe like we do know each other because the community mm. is small right yeah. shit you know it turns out this girl is my um so she's actually my cousin's daughter but like oh a, my god a cousin who is like um who's in her like 60s so I yeah got a different generation gap and then and i'd never really come in contact with them and it was it was her daughter and we were related and we met during this um that's crazy that's crazy that's weird, isn't it? my sorry my mum just came and i hope there wasn't too much background noise because i asked her to bring my laptop <laughs> oh is it dying oh no that's cool i should have gotten oh. her to like say hello thank you auntie i know yeah i gotta say hi <laughs> auntie finally yeah come back, auntie. <laughs> she'd probably be like i'm tehana <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not free <laughs> she's not time for this podcast stuff what yeah, is this go bake yeah i should bake in today she's making a um coconut 
spread. I'll, sh- I'll send you a photo later. Oh. But it's like a yeah, see, like mm, bow. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Last question, Carly. And this is an easy one. I feel like I've asked this before, but you know, here we go. I feel like it's quite relevant. Uh, relevant to you. Okay. Question number five. Have you ever sang karaoke at home? All the time. Um, <laughs> we used to own a karaoke machine. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I've I've just, my family really enjoy singing. Like my dad, especially. You'll have seen all those videos I've sent you. Yes. And Simon and Garfunkel, Alan Tam, <laughs> you know, Sam, um, Sam Hoy, like he just enjoys singing. He likes to think of himself as like the next Alan Tam. <laughs> the next Alan Tam yeah or like the underground version you know underground version of Alan Tam what's your dad's name Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy Tam Jimmy Woo Jimmy, Jimmy Woo in the house that oh was... and that's another story how he got his Scottish name but anyway <laughs> how, did, how did he get his Scottish name let's end it on that <laughs> right so Jimmy as we all know is quite I think it's quite a typical Scottish name right mm-hmm. and I and I asked him this I said you know why of all the names you chose why Jimmy like why not Jim? <laughs> why not you know he, he went for Jimmy and he said to me I didn't choose it and I said well who the fuck chose your name for you <laughs> and he said that one time when he was he was quite young maybe like 17 or 18 he was working at um this restaurant in Glasgow I think and some Scottish man was like oh what's your name pal and I don't think my dad really answered him Mm. Or, or, or maybe he said like oh I don't I don't have an English name and mm. then the guy decided oh do you know what we'll call you Jamie or Jimmy mm. and everyone's just called him since then Jimmy died <laughs> <laughs> which is like oh little Jimmy little Jimmy and just because some random white guy just decided that he was going to be called oh, Jimmy so it has no like relevance <laughs> or like there's no significance to him other than some random dude just assigned him that name that's brilliant i love how just like it is so funny how like um like just flippantly are with choosing their own names like and not considering how it could sound like my my dad basically decided his name through yeah. i think i've talked about this on the podcast before because his dad his brother called himself simon and then his friend called himself raymond and uh-huh. my dad was like I like the name Joe, so I'm going to call myself Joman. So he went by Joman for a long time before, like, he realised that wasn't a name. And so he just dropped the man and then just became Joe. I just love how you can just change it. It's just like, I'll be this, then I'll be that. And then my mum has, like, four English names. Oh, right, okay. So she goes by... So on her passport, it's Lowell and then her Chinese name. And then her, oh, um, right. but then her name is Yup in Chinese, which translates to uh-huh. Jade. So people used to call her Jade in Hong Kong. Uh-huh. And then she came over to um, the UK, and then she assigned herself Diane as a name. All right. And now, uh-huh. now people, so people in the UK know her as Diane, but then um, other like people in Hong Kong know her as Yup or Jade or Lowell. So and then her, oh. yeah, actual her full Chinese name. So she has. She has lots of different identities, does my mum. <laughs> That's cool. And I, I quite like that in, you know, a lot of my Chinese, like, uh, rel- well, my relatives are Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> All the relatives, like the way they choose their names or how their names came to be. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've got like an Auntie Helen, an Auntie Wendy. Mm. Um, I've got an Uncle Michael. Like they're quite mm. typical names that are, are picked. And it's just interesting how they arrived those mm. names or how how like 
English they are, you know, like again <laughs> yeah. or Michael, and it's like, why why don't you go for something like I don't know, different mm-hmm. or something that's just your Chinese name? And it's yeah, it's it's really yeah. quite, quite cool. And um, yeah, unfortunately, my dad kept Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's cool, Jimmy. Way it rolls off the to, tongue. He likes to think of himself like as Jamie Oliver, so he calls himself yeah. Jimmy Oliver sometimes. <laughs> The Chinese Jamie Oliver. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Jimmy, yeah, love that. Love that. So your Chinese name, is is your English name Carly, is that kind of a translation from your Chinese name at all? Uh, No, my my English name is is separate. So that was a name Mm. that my mom picked because, um, you know, she thought it is quite nice. But it it also does sound similar to my Chinese name, which is Gayu. Yeah. So Gayu and Carly. um, Mm slightly similar and the weird thing is is that it also has very similar meanings um which i found out uh, quite late on it's that carly comes from carl which in german means free man Mm. and my chinese name the thinking behind that is the idea of like being free and happy and being able to to do what you want in life so strangely my English and my Chinese name um, are very well, very similar, if not the same origin. Wow! And your mum, your mum and dad didn't know that when they no. picked those names because my my parents picked my English name and my Chinese name was picked by my dad's um, master's wife. So the master, as in like um, the man, his the teacher who he follows um, with his Taoist practices, mm. so his like Sifu, so his mm. like his Sifu's lopal right I see wow Uh, so so my name wasn't wasn't picked by my family it was more like given to yeah you know yeah there's a lot in a Chinese name I think there is a lot in a Chinese name my my mum has kind of um, assumed that role for a lot of our younger cousins now when it comes to naming their babies because like they're like me where we don't know fuck all when it comes to what Chinese names mean so we could pick anything so god knows when it comes to like my kids kids like whether they're gonna even have a chinese name or whether they're gonna lose that who knows because who's going to pick it for them yeah yeah yeah. and you can't you know you can't just pick a random chinese (laughs) name there's got to be thought Mm. behind it because um in in like chinese culture a name can set you for life like there's yeah some some people pay a lot of money to get like a you know feng shui master to actually Mm. work out if it is in line with their um their date of birth their signs and mm. their time and you know it's a lot and it's it's so fascinating that's like another um mm-hmm. great topic to look into but and like we need to get a feng, feng shui master on the podcast and oh my god please do that's, that's <laughs> feng shui one of... my room <laughs> i did have that once though did well, you? well no, no 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 in a very informal sense where like my mum's friend came around and we just redecorated my bedroom and I had uh-huh. my bed face like underneath the window and it was uh-huh. like uh, this way and then like my uncle was just like my mum's friend was just like um I just want to give you a suggestion if you want to move your bed to like face this way because of the feng shui of the room it just wasn't right to be underneath the window like there was like loads uh-huh. of like, I don't know woo woo stuff but actually made a lot of sense actually um and I did change it thanks to him uh, and the other one is uh don't have a mirror facing your bed yeah my mum always says that uh-huh. I, mm-hmm. because I, I just worry about the ghosts 
the ghost coming through <laughs> but also your your like energy and your health like mm. it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a brilliant topic you, you need you need to have a feng shui master on your um podcast i need please. to find one who speaks english because <laughs> uh, like, if i was just speaking to them in in cantonese or like um you know i'm surprised as well like you know you <laughs> we've not done any haka <laughs> I know we haven't. Well, I can't speak. That's why it'll just be you just talking and me being like, "Oh, you can, you can." Sikong, no, not not. How do you say? Ngom sikong haka. You can. You can understand and speak a little bit. <laughs> I can understand it to a certain, like a ch- child's level. No, more than that. Give yourself some more credit. Thanks, Carly. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm so harsh about this. Very self-deprecating. It's my personality type. Um, it's a very British thing, I think. It is very British. Well, Carly, thank you for thank being you. on the podcast and, and expending your knowledge and wisdom and time and everything else. It was really great chatting with you. Um, do you have thank anything you. that you want to share, promote, talk about? I would like to share be seen (laughs) so um yes please uh go on to bc.co.uk for some incredible resources on east and southeast asian uh culture and the community um we also are always looking for contributors um we have a lot of like articles on um folks on own experiences as well as um opinions and reviews of anything and everything related to east and southeast asian culture um and yeah get in touch and we're building you know a fantastic uh, community and network to put each other um you know like just to find out other british people in our in our community who who come from an east or southeast asian background and now that i've said this i realize i am nowhere near as eloquent as amy or charlie or mayan or izzy on saying this <laughs> no no you do well you do really well i was buying right. that but yes so uh come and find us on instagram as well we are at oh my god b c <laughs> i need to double check be seen with a with a dot in between the a and the e so it's B.C. Yeah, pl- plug it in, Viv. Um, yes, yeah, I will. I'll put it, yeah. And um, what else are we on? We're on Twitter, right? We're on Twitter as uh, B seen with an underscore in between the A and the N. Oh my God, I am awful at um, publicising this. I'm I'm a good blatherer, but I'm not very good at promoting. <laughs> yes, you are. No, yes, you are. Again, don't downplay yourself. Don't downplay <laughs> yourself. You've done, a, you've done a lot for the community. Cut um, all this, cut all this. All this. <laughs> But yeah, thank you, Carly. I'll um, thank let you. you get on with your day and thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been very cool chatting to you properly. Like, yeah, I know. Even though we're not physical.